To the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. The Dodgers are 57 and 29 after going three and four last week. They are still 12 games ahead of the Rockies in the NL West with one week to play before the All Star break. Eric Steven, Dodgers guru, expert. How's it going? Uh, okay. I got to hype you up a little bit. I don't know. Vlad. It's hot, right? It's, it's, we're, we're, it's summer hot right now. So uh, my. My mood is changing with the heat. We we have a bit of a heat wave here in Kansas City, but I'm surprised. I This is the first summer I can remember where I'm kind of used to it. A lot of people around me are complaining about it. I'm just like, eh, it's fine. I went running in it. It's okay. I will say this. it's It's been uh, pretty good, actually, so far. Um, it, there was a hot stretch a couple weeks back where I think we didn't get quite up to 100, but we were in the 90s a few days, and it was just like, you know, sweat city. It was, a, they were, there were two and three shower days. Uh, but I remember last, last year I was on vacation. My, my uncle turned 80. So we went to Colorado for like a family reunion. And when I got home, uh, the, it, my air conditioning broke. Uh, you could probably hear it in the background running right now, but, um, uh, it was so hot, uh, in my apartment. This was, and this was like the first week of July, uh, that I, I couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> So I actually went to a hotel for two nights over the weekend, and then my air conditioning got fixed, and it was glorious. But uh, it hasn't been nearly that hot so far this year, so I'm crossing my fingers. So it's, it really hasn't been that bad. Well, you know who has been hot this year? Hmm? Cody Bellinger. You know, that's a good point. Yeah, but... uh, so we... <laughs> that's it. All right, next step. We've been starting every episode with a Cody Bellinger update. You got one for us? Yeah, and so I was looking, going over my notes, I I do some cutting and pasting uh, from last week, you know, and then just fill in whatever the the rest on on some of the items here. And I I was looking, and last week, Cody Bellinger was on pace for 51 homers and 125 RBIs. And his week, last week, the Dodgers played seven games. Um, He's now on pace for... 51 homers and 126 RBIs. So he's he's uh, keeping it up. Uh, still still doing well. So go go Cody, I guess, in that regard. He certainly helped a little bit by Coors Field. Uh, the Dodgers, not as much. We're going to talk about that series, the Arizona series, and kind of look forward to the All-Star game coming up next week. Uh, but we're gonna, we're going to attempt to go to an ad, Eric. We failed these last two weeks. The powers that be have not not given us one. We're going to try again. If we just come back in two seconds, well, you and I tried. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay, so the Dodgers went 1-2 and two against Arizona and 2-2 two and two against Colorado. These four-game series in cores just... I. I it seems like they always go. It doesn't matter what the record. They can go in four, split the series. They could even sweep. They always seem to go like this. Yeah, it's weird. Like they had a stretch. Um, I think it was two years ago where like the the Rockies were scoring okay, but some some of those games were low. But like the Dodgers just weren't scoring there. And then like all of a sudden, I think that was when the Andrew Tolls game happened, and then it kind of picked up after that. But yeah, it, it seems like. Um, Every time Coors comes up, and it's been better with the humidor, I mean, for the most part in recent years where the offense isn't quite as crazy. But, um, you know, the manager, uh, whether it was Don Mattingly when he was here and now Dave Roberts, they're always, like, worried, like, okay, Coors is coming up. I have to plan for that. And it's usually, like, taking an extra reliever or – playing like your most athletic outfield possible because there's so much uh, room to run. Uh, And, and then, then you're like thinking about it afterwards. Like there's, there's almost always like uh, a mid series uh, bullpen move or after the series, because you have to like uh, sort of have your pitching staff recover. Uh, So, and this weekend was like a prime course weekend, man. Like this, um, this uh, year at Coors has been crazy. Like the park factor, uh, baseball reference uses a three-year park factor for theirs. And so it's like a rolling kind of uh, number usually. Um, and it's 120 this year for Coors. Like in the in the heyday in like the late 90s, it was like uh, in the mid-120s basically a lot. And then it's been in the, in the one-teens for the most part since. So it's been like a little bit less, but... This year it's back up to 120, and if you just use the one-year park factor this year, it's 127, which is it's like literally hitting on the moon. Like it's <laughs> it's nuts, and like uh, and that's what it kind of felt like this weekend. Um, I'm linking this in the show notes. Sam Miller at uh, ESPN wrote a piece about how how Coors Coors is this year, and uh, he had all these numbers. And I think the main takeaway was that basically a lot of the numbers, like batted ball type things, are you know, some of them are similar, but the basic gist is like, you know, like home runs, they're, you know, their home runs are up around baseball. So it's not that big of a thing there. Um, but it's mostly like balls in play at Coors Field um, are like just astronomically like falling for hits like this year uh, more than normal. Uh, like their pitchers are like striking out roughly similar um, and they're just getting crushed, you know, at home as opposed to on the road. Um I was looking in the Rockies are always kind of screwed in this regard. And cause they, they have to always come back to course. Like, like they look, sometimes they look great there, but then 
they get if everyone gets affected like when you go on the road after you go to cores there's always like an effect there but the so the rockies have to do that like all season and they, they always get screwed up so they're like actual splits it's not you know it's it's not usually fair to just look at a splits and say well that guy's not a good player look out look at those crazy splits but even that said like this year's splits are nuts like the rockies just real base stuff here uh they're averaging seven runs a game at home <laughs> Uh, 923 OPS at Coors Field, 660 on the road. Like, that's that's, that's nuts. Like, uh, Charlie Blackman, he's, like, the most extreme example this year. 1506 uh, at home, 653 on the road. But 1506, <laughs> like, that's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, this weekend, they scored 65 runs in five games. And that had, like, a relative pitcher's duel. The Saturday game was 5-3. Um, and, and just, just to go show you, that was the pitcher's duel. Like, <laughs> that's not a pitcher's duel. Like, uh, every other game, the winning team scored double digits. So, um, I think my favorite was, tidbit yeah. of just how Coors is Coors, uh, a third of Hyunjin Ryu, who we're going to talk about later when we get to the all-star games, earned runs this year came in that one start. Oh my God. I, I didn't, I, I, there was all sorts of ways to like sort of spin his start. Cause he really, uh, like and the thing is he was yeah he was pitching well too like he he gave up um he had the one bad pitch early right so he gave up like two runs but he was through four innings and like he had only given up two runs so in my mind i'm thinking uh uh man like yunjin ryu like he's having such a great season that he's like even Coors isn't affecting him and then like then he literally didn't get it out in the fifth and he just got they they just hammered him uh that inning was crazy, by the way. That was a classic for Zinni, but the Dodgers turned around and had a similar inning on Sunday, but the Rockies had like eight straight hits, and then with an, with errors, they had, I think, ten straight guys reach base. It was nuts. Joe Kelly was in the middle of that, and he was, I think he had some, like, he didn't, like, he just was interviewed about it, and he said the official scorer was crazy. He didn't agree with him because he gave up five hits, but I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Uh, but, like, you look back, there, there's always this classic um, – Coors Field series in like the second year, 1996, uh, Dodgers Rockies. It included the the most Coors Field game of all time, in my opinion. It was a 16 15 game that the Rockies won on a walk off. But that game, like Eric Young had six steals. The Rockies still 10 bases as a team. And like it was just home runs galore. The, the, those, uh, they scored, oh man, I had it in front of me. It, it's like, I think it was 85 runs in, the, in those four games. Uh, yeah, 85 runs in 1996 in those four games. And that's the only four-game series that's ever scored more than the Dodgers and Rockies. They scored 65 this weekend. And I was looking because there's some, there's been some crazy three-game series. But, like, um, the most I could find for a three-game series there was 60 runs a couple times, uh, which is, I mean, 20 a game. That's nuts. But, like, it didn't, didn't reach the – so it was the second-highest series of any length there uh, between the Dodgers and Rockies that the, uh, to show you how Coors Coors has been this year. The last time the Rockies were home was two weeks ago when the Padres were there and they scored an MLB record 92 runs in four games. That, that series was insane. And so it almost made the Dodgers 65 run series seem tame, but uh, yeah, just a, just an insane way. And it's just one of like, you had to endure the Dodgers. They split that series with them. They lost two of three to Arizona. Like this was kind of a, um, I don't know. They first they hit a wall. Like they were playing eighteen. They had eighteen games, uh, eighteen days in a row with a game. 
they're off today. We're recording on a Monday, and this was this is their last off day before the All Star break. But like they inserted like Tony Gonsolin uh, to to give the staff like an extra day again, and you know to give them rest because you know they they always try to give extra rest when possible. Then like Gonsolin kind of faltered. And then everyone at court has faltered basically on the mound. So like the starting pitching has been so, so good this year. And then they just ran into a buzzsaw this week, but it's all funny. Like you, you talked, we talked at the beginning of the podcast, like, how am I doing? Like I said, my mood is changing with the weather, but like relatively I'm doing pretty good. You know, I feel all right. But like, and I think that's the way the Dodgers, they, they were three and four. Like, so it was a bad week, but it's just three and four. Like it just happened to be their first, losing month or losing week in two and a half months so like they won 73 percent of their games in between those two weeks so like uh they're doing okay (laughs) yeah and a a lot of really good teams are kind of in a lull right now so uh not that these matter at all but the dodgers kind of haven't moved from that it's from their number one power ranking spot which they sort of seized last week in dramatic fashion with the series against the rockies so i i have a confession eric yes for almost the last 24 hours, like oh. I think it was around 4 p.m. the day that I, I figured it out. I thought the All-Star game was this week. I don't oh. know. I, I knew it wasn't because I'm going to the, the Boston series, which I knew was the oh, first, right. series first series afterwards. Yeah. But I just was, I think, fusing these two weeks together. Uh, so I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about the All-Star game. And then next week we'll talk about the, uh, you know, how it actually went. Uh, and then I'll go go to Boston to see the game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I am. I have been very ready to talk about the All Star Game. If you're ready to, yeah, and I, well, it, it is relevant this week because the rosters were announced. So we we do yeah. have a little bit to talk about. And we the to be clear, the All Star Game not this week. Uh, Dodgers right. are going to play uh, six games home, um, two against the uh, Diamondbacks and four against the Padres, and then they get a nice little break. Yeah, what a weird uh, little homestand. What the hell is a two game series doing in there? Like, <laughs> why can't they just do three and three like the old days? But, and then also, I was looking because someone I emailed or tweeted something about that last week, and someone uh, tweeted me back about another thing next week. And I looked it up. Uh, what is it? Cubs, White Sox, and Reds, Indians. They're playing interleague series next weekend, but it's Saturday, Sunday. All four of those teams are off Friday. Yeah. Who the hell's off on a Friday? <laughs> That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just not—it's not right, Eric. We need to yeah. screw the speeding up the game. We just need to get back to lots <laughs> yeah. and lots of three-game series. Play the game, yeah. yeah. So, th- making the All-Star game, Cody Bellinger, uh, the entire mm-hmm. starting rotation. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and not quite. <laughs> not quite. No. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, who made it, Eric? Who actually made it? So, okay, so it, it was in two waves. Uh, I have a confession to make too. Speaking of all-star ignorance, uh, <laughs> last week we sort of talked my about the nickname. process, right? That, that, dang, we should, we might have to change the title <laughs> this, this week. Um, no, last week we, we went over the, like the, the new process because there was they split up the the fans voting into like primaries and then starters election. Uh, I don't know, yeah. it's kind of weird. But then as we're as we're going over the process, I assumed there there was going to be a final vote. For that yes, final so roster spot, and, and I think and, we talked about this when we talked yeah, about we, like, oh yeah, no, there's not. Well, there's surely going to be a final <laughs> vote. I get, like all of yesterday, I was like going through like old like stuff from MLB, and I'm like, wait, who's who are the final vote candidates? Like, and we'll get to that why I was looking that up, but like uh, it was just like 
oh, I, oh, there's no final vote. But I, so I guess that's what they were trying to, because the final vote is that like crazy voter push that they try to bombast like social media and, with it. And, and I, maybe they, I'm just disconnected, but my pulse is that the final, like I s- would always see people that weren't the official marketing teams of teams talk about the final vote and get excited about it. I didn't really see a lot of this whole nomination primary thing really excite too many people. Am I am I just out of touch? Is it the ch- no, it, <laughs> am well, I wrong I or is it the children? It like, yeah, it's the won't somebody think of that? Uh, I think it was it's because like we already saw like they released actual numbers of the voting of uh, the primary. You know, like so Cody Bellinger had the most votes. Uh, Yelich was right behind him. And then Trout, it, like they, they all got like over 3 million votes. And you saw like relative numbers and things like that. But then all that got wiped out for the starters thing. And then they just did this like uh, at the very end, they released the percentages uh, of, of vote. And I think it was like we saw who the, the clear leaders were. were and I, that was unlikely to change, right? Like all of a sudden it's like, well, uh, now that we've eliminated candidates like four through six, clearly that second and third place guy is going to make the leap. <laughs> I actually didn't even look to see if, if any of that happened because it wasn't I didn't I didn't really care like because from a Dodger standpoint at least like Bellinger was clearly going to start like uh, he ended up finishing second in the starter election even though he had the top overall in the primary but like you know he's starting in the outfield he's one of the three and like Jock was ninth in the um, primary and like he had no chance I don't um, so like that was obvious and um, so and they were the only Dodgers involved so it's like. Um, yeah, I, I it didn't seem that interesting to me. It was they they hyped it up as a a twenty eight hour thing, but you you could still only vote once. Like the final vote was like this thing where all you had to do is like tweet a dumb hashtag, and you could do it like over and over and over again. And I think that fans got excited. Like fan like teams built marketing things around that where they would host fans in like a suite, and then just have them bang around on the computer for like twenty four hours and to try to to try to get there. So like, um, I think that's been, uh, you know, like the, the marketing part behind it. And so they, they kind of lost that with the, with the, without the final vote. Okay. Enough of that tangent. Who on the Dodgers is going to play in the all-star game or maybe on the roster, maybe they won't all play. We'll see. (laughs) Oh yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. Dave Roberts. Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger starting, not officially, but I think Robert said the day the starters came out that uh, Bellinger would be starting in center. I believe it's Yelich in left and Ronald Acuna Jr. in right. I think that's where he went, but Bellinger's going to be in center. Um, and then the uh, the three three Dodgers starting pitchers made it. Only It's only the second time, or if you want to get technical, the third time they've had three starting pitchers make an all-star game in one year. Uh, 49, they did it with uh, Preacher Road, Don Newcomb, and Ralph Branca. 62, um, they had, for four years, they had two All-Star games for a while. This was right before the Players Union, a few years before the Players Union got started. So players were trying to, like, raise money to add to their, like, players' pension fund because that was kind of all they had at that point. Um, So they played two All-Star games every year. So in 62, in game one, it was... Kopax and Drysdale, and then for game two, Johnny Padres made it. So it was like this weird, weird double All Star game. They were like a couple weeks apart in different stadiums. So uh, I, I don't think I count that. I mean, I kind of do, but it was you know, it's not the same. Um, so 
this year, the three are, I mean, Genjin Ryu was obviously going to happen. Uh, Walker Bueller, which we talked about as possible making it. And then Clayton Kershaw, he made it. Uh, they, uh, Bueller, uh, Ryu and Bueller were players selections. The players get to vote in five starters and three relievers, and then one at every position. And Ryu finished uh, a few, like 20 votes, I think, behind Max Scherzer. I think it was like 230 to 210. Uh, and then Bueller was fifth, uh, just behind Jacob Degrom. Luis Castillo got third um, uh, in that voting. So those were the five from the players. And then Kershaw was a commissioner's office selection. They kind of fill out the rest of the roster. Uh, I think with him, it's obviously a legacy pick, but it's not like he's having a bad year. Like I was and, looking, he's actually he, and he's the legacy in the picks are kind of fun. I think like right. they certainly can he's get out of hand st- sometimes. He's a bona fide star. Yeah. Like, Right? If we're gonna do this thing yeah, where this every team a... has to have a player, then you know, you know, I I have a lot of chrism for Derek Jeter and some of the years he got in, but you can't not have him. So, right, like this isn't like Ichiro in his last year or something like that. You know, it's not like it's not like someone who's like barely scraping by. Like was Kershaw it... is still a very someone, viable and, starter. Someone and I think it was it it was Dave Roberts was saying that that said I do uh, all star appearances whether directly or indirectly affects things like contract proceedings and, and your sort of stature as a player. And I think Dave Roberts suggested that there really should be like an all MLB team at the end of the year that can take everything into account and then kind of maybe take, take the sway of that. So it's, it's, it becomes a game that's all about fun as opposed to the yeah. thing actually sort of puts a feather in your cap. Cause I do feel bad I would about love that. that. Like look at the NBA, like NBA free agency just started, and I was, and I'm I'm technically hoping that like Kawhi Leonard makes his decision while we're recording, just so we can have our reaction to it. To, but like, to uh, I need that so badly. Like, there is I, look, no I, one left for the Lakers to sign if he goes to Toronto. I, I can't, I'm I can't imagine. Like I don't know why Kawhi wouldn't stay in Toronto, uh, and but I'm I'm holding out hope that he does join Lakers. But I, like I'm not confident that it's going to happen. And I realize they they're kind of screwed if he doesn't. So uh, I'm just sort of like quietly like uh praying to my Kawhi shrine as we speak but no but uh nba like they have a thing where like uh you there's different levels of like a maximum contract you can get based on either first second or third team all nba uh you know uh things and i i agree with that uh, i like the idea of the end of season thing like um because i in fact i wrote something about this for sb nation and it wasn't like i i don't like doing like the oh these guys are all-star snubs, you know, that kind of thing. But I just sort of laid it out. I'm like, I, I get it. Like, you know, people vote because it's the first half, but like, uh, and then there's like legacy picks. There's, there's like people are actual stars, even if they're not necessarily performing. So I, I completely get it. But I, my thing was like, if you always, if every year we're voting on this year's stats, then the second half stats never count for any of this. So I was kind of looking back to see who did, some notable things like all-star break to all-star break and like uh, a couple Dodgers showed up who we'll talk about who didn't make it, uh, who actually have decent cases this year, one better than the other, I think, but um, let's talk but, about this. Yeah, now. Right. Sure. So, uh, well, I just wanted to say uh, before we do that, uh, uh, usually they don't really announce this until like the, the next weekend or something, but the, the Dodgers just came out and said it where uh, Roberts is the manager. So he gets the call. Uh, Ryu is going to start the game, so good for him. Um, he is the um, 12th different pitcher to start an All-Star game. Clayton Kershaw, still not one of those. Um, 
because apparently Matt Harvey uh, was better, whatever. Um, but that game was in New York. That of course he was going to start that game. But anyway, um, and then yeah, but uh, and it's the 16th time overall. Don Drysdale started five All Star games. He's the only Dodger to start more than one. Uh, so it was kind of funny. Uh, Bueller was the first timer. Kershaw, his eighth uh, selection. Uh, there's only one Dodger who's been an all-star more than Kershaw, and it was, uh, can you name him? Uh, man, I, I saw this tweet, and I have forgotten. Uh, I'll just give you, I'll, I'll say it's. Oh, wait, no, I know player. it. Pee Wee Reese. Yeah, he has. Uh, I remember the tweet. I would not have guessed uh, that, by then, the way, had I not seen the tweet. There's a think- there's a bunch of guys with eight. Kershaw, Roy Campanella, Gil Hodges, Steve Garvey. Don Drysdale, and then Don Drysdale is an asterisk because technically he was named to nine All Star games, but one uh, 1959 was two of them. Uh, so like that's only one year, so it's really only eight. But um, he started both games, so that's two of his five starts. So very weird. But yeah, so the two, I, like the main snub, I thought uh, was Max Muncy. Um, he is he has 20 home runs. He is. Uh, uh, what nine twenty four OPS? Uh, his he's fourth in Baseball Reference WAR in the National League right now, like not like at his position. He's just fourth overall yeah. and um, eighth, eighth, eighth in on that four, Yeah, have that up. Yeah, three and a half and three point one, and are those two numbers? So like, for I mean, it's basically a little bit half, past the halfway point. So he's like a six six plus win player, uh, which is pretty crazy. And like to show you that, I think Bellinger's at. 6.6 baseball reference war already. Uh, I maybe we'll do that shortly after, like maybe in the next few weeks, where just because he he's getting to the point where not too many people just overall have total seasons with yeah. that high of a war. No, I thought next Dodgers, week would be so. a good time to kind of review yeah. the last half a little bit more in depth. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that at some point. So, um, if you look at like OPS plus or wins, uh, WRC plus, like. Muncie's ninth in OPS plus, tenth in WRC plus. Uh, I was looking uh, the top twenty in uh, weighted runs created plus. Uh, Sixteen of those were all stars. Four missed. One was uh, uh, Muncie, and then the other three were all lower than Muncie, who didn't make it. Uh, Juan Soto, Reese Hoskins, and Hunter Renfro. So, like, I don't know, man. Uh, and then getting back to my point earlier, from All Star break to All Star break, he uh, he has a one forty five. Uh, WRC plus, and that's tied for sixth in the National League. So he's like one of the very best players in the National League, regardless of the position. And then you look at like his defense, so that factors into his WAR, which is why it's higher. He's been a plus defender. I mean, uh, at least above average at first, second, and third. And like he's almost played as many innings at second as he has at first. And then he's also started seventeen games at third. So very valuable. Probably should have made it. And the thing is, with with no final vote. Uh, there's still going to be like, I think injury replacements and things like that coming in the next week. But uh, so he might still make it. But man, like I, I thought he was the biggest snub. Justin Turner is the other one. Um, he his case is he has like a quietly good year so far this year. But you know, there's there's a lot of like third basemen in the in the National League. Anthony Rendon finally made a first All Star game. Um, Turner from All-Star break to All-Star break, he had a really strong second half last year. He'd be one of those guys that benefits from the, the last year sort of uh, look at it. He has a 154 WRC+. plus. That's fourth in the National League since last year. So, um, yeah, th- those two guys got sort of the short end of the stick. I think Muncie has a chance to make it if someone drops out. But, you know, it, it'll be hard for us 
excuse me, to see if that actually happens. It seems like a lot of the replacements tend to be pitchers, but we'll see how it goes. So I have a, a final votey question for you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um after this after this ad break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back. So so one thing that we do get to talk about, uh, since it's in, um, sort of, uh, in an interesting way, is the National League needs a designated hitter, uh, which Dave Roberts gets to pick um, and hasn't yet. So, I th- yeah. Go ahead. Do you, has he picked? Uh, I, I don't, nothing, nothing is official, but it's, I was watch, watching, or yesterday I saw some pirate stuff, and uh, pirates were on ESPN tonight playing the Cubs. And I believe Josh Bell has basically been told that he's going to be the designated hitter. Um, is that so who was, so who would you vote yeah. for is my question to you. I mean, that's not a bad pick. Like he actually hit three home runs tonight too, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess it's hard to go worse than Josh Bell at this point. Like, um, he's he's had a really good year. So like, uh, Freddie Freeman won the vote for first base. Like, uh, he's always good, but uh, so he I mean he he couldn't do it. But so it'd be one of the reserves. Uh, but yeah, I, I would probably say, I guess if it's not Josh Bell, probably Anthony Rendon. No, Pete, Pete Alonso was the other name I was going to throw into. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. He has a lot of home runs, but I just his overall like numbers aren't as good as those other two. But uh, I mean, yeah. So, but yeah, I think it's going to be Josh Bell, and I don't really have a problem with that. Anything else you want to talk about the All Star game? Hmm. Not really. I always i I've always enjoyed how kind of low key it is, and how just kind of silly it is, as an All Star game should be. It feels like the NBA game is starting to get there. This year was a very similar thing. The NFL will never figure it out. Right. I think too, like. I think MLB kind of screwed this up. I think they're they're generally probably tone deaf on some things, and this was part of it. Like they they timed their All Star roster like selection show at at two thirty <laughs> uh, Pacific time yesterday, and the NBA free agency period opened at at three. So like all the news was breaking like in that that like ninety minutes before three o'clock. Yeah, the Urias news just, snuck into my NBA Twitter list, which I was glued to. Huh. And it just like kept like it, it dwarfed like like who's paying attention to MLB All Star selections when like you know the entire shape of the NBA is changing in like in like four hours basically. So yeah, it was odd. 
uh, and it just kind of got buried. They could have met in a number of different ways. And like, you know, the day, like these dates are known ahead of time. I know they tend to generally announce the rosters on a Sunday. You don't, you can always announce them on a Saturday. Like, like it's, you know, whatever, like do, do something where it's like unique and you have your own time. Uh, I just thought they kind of missed the boat on that one. Sure. I'm sure that's a lesson they'll learn. Cause this was the first year where it wasn't at midnight for the NBA. So wouldn't be surprised yeah, if they true. just weren't thinking about it. And hopefully they learned the lesson for that. But, and hopefully, yeah, I, I think I'm rooting for a different voting thing next year. Maybe go back to the other one. Bring back the final vote. I missed the final vote. I think they should do something that's similar to the final vote, but for every spot. <laughs> that could be fun. I don't know. I think that could be fun. You, you just, let's like, so you just match up five guys and like, you know, only one of them is going to be an all-star. And so it's almost like um, you're setting up like a world cup draw. But only like maybe like one, maybe you do it where two people from each each group get in. I don't know. There's there's a way to do this. Let's let's figure it out. That's our off season project. Okay. Before that, you want to answer some questions from Craig? Yeah. Let's do it. Still don't have intro music of that. Maybe our new editor Brian will whip us up something. Yep. Hint hint. First question: The Dodgers are on a pace to break their team home run record. Third for the third straight season. I think we got asked this, and I predicted they would. Averaging 1.62 home runs per game, the Dodgers could set a new record in game 146. That's really early. Yeah. Still, even to hit the 97 home runs to set a new season is a lot of home runs, and the following questions relate to the chase. How many Dodgers will end up with 20 or more home runs? The current record is seven, set in 2018. So the number of people, so they they already have three. There, this this shows you one of these things where just it's just the era we're in. Like, uh, so Max Muncy hit his twentieth home run, I think, on Friday. So that gave the Dodgers three. Uh, Bellinger has twenty-seven. Jock has twenty. Muncy has twenty. And so there, I think they were the fifth team, maybe the sixth. I think that was the fifth to have three players with twenty home runs before July. Part of this was that the season started on March 28th, so they earlier than a lot of seasons. But uh, you know, it ma- it made it seem like a big deal that only five teams have done it, and then like the Padres did it Sunday. So like, it's like okay, there's just a lot of home runs now. That's part of it. So still pretty rare, but like, um, I don't know. So the Craig's asking who's going to hit, or how many Dodgers going to hit 20? They already have three. There's only one other player in double digits right now. And that's Kike at 13. I will, you know, even if, even though his playing time, I think he's going to take a hit. Um, he'll get the other seven. Um, Turner almost always has a flourish at some point, and there's still enough time left in the season. Um, Seeger could have a flourish if he comes back. Man, I don't how, think all how of about guys, so, above average major league baseball player Chris Taylor, by the way. Right. Two well, weeks since we recorded eight. that episode where he was one of yeah. the worst hitters in baseball, and now he has a hundred and ten OPS plus. Yeah, and Craig has a sort of a related question to him, and I have some numbers on him, so we'll get to him in a second. Okay. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna get there. So but just looking at the list, like Verdugo has nine. Uh um is there like a Martin's world where Corey Seager comes back and he just goes on a tear? I, that's I don't what I think. think so. Well, only, maybe, uh, but he's he's been a twenty 
six home run guy. Like, sure, uh, but he's, he's so missing. I, you know, it, I don't think they're going to rush right. him back. They don't got the. No, he's well. The reports now are that basically he and Pollock are back for the Boston series, the first series. Oh, back. don't get don't excite me. So I assume as always a week later. As always, you know, slow play injuries. Like if they say one thing, add add a yeah. week or whatever. But yeah. But still, it sounds like he, they're going to be back. They're already hitting, like so. But even if he's on the like, is he? I mean, and again, I didn't see this report. Is he yeah. an everyday starter? Like, are they going to? They're they're not activating him to not start him. So yeah, he'll okay. play almost every day. I mean, he'll get rest days, sure, but like he's still going to he's going to play, you know, a lot. So what's your number seven? No, God. So the the highest number is six. Um. Um, David Freeze has eight, so I will not put it past David Freeze. He only needs twelve more at bats. So, I mean, I think I think uh, Kike Turner, Verdugo, so, Seager could be your seven. Verdugo, I mean, he's got a. Mm, he's at nine. I don't see it. Uh, I think I only think the number is going to be five. Okay. I think one of Turner and Seager don't make it. I'm I'm going to go six. Okay, we did twenty home runs. Now, how about ten? How many players will end up with 10 or more home runs by the end of the year? The current record, again, set last year, is 10. It's a okay, lot of 10s. Okay, so they, right, they, yeah, it's 10 10s. Uh, they, they already, we had mentioned they already have the four. Uh, it's the 320s and PK. So, and then Turner's nine, Verdugo's nine, Seeger, Taylor, Freezer at eight. So, like, though, in, you know. So, like, nine, nine is a virtual lock. I think so. And then. And then it gets to Austin Barnes with five. Got to play to hit home runs. So, <laughs> uh, like, I don't not, Well, and then, like, are they acquiring? They're not acquiring, like, a Machado this year. You know, someone who's, like, clearly going to come in and play every day. Um, I think so the only other would option take, would be, like, they just pull um, pull the trigger on Will Smith starting catcher, which you and I have talked I about this he, in episodes before. We don't think that's going to happen. At least not at not with enough time. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess so here, I one one other option could be Pollock. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So he's at two, but he's going to play. So they could get to 10. Yeah. You know what? They're getting to 10. Okay. Forgot about Pollock. Got to had to go deep, and if you rank by yeah. home runs on baseball ref to get there, uh, not a not a believer in Walker Bueller hitting nine more. You know what? Uh, let's say, what about Ryu hitting ten more? All he needs is ten. All right, I like this next question. Finally, while well, I think the LA Dodger record of twenty-two different players with at least one home run and as likely is unlikely to be broken or even matched by the two thousand nineteen team. How many different Dodgers on this year's team will end up with at least one home run? Currently, it's 16 Dodgers with at least one after Edwin Rios. There are only two position players on the 40-man roster without one. That's Rocky Gale and Kybert Ruiz. Note that last year, there were three players acquired after July 1st who hit at least home run on the Dodgers. Yeah, so like I figure Rios will hit one at some point. But like everyone else, like I, you know... Ruiz is a maybe September guy, and like he's not going to play. Uh, and uh, Rocky Gale's Rocky Gale. Um, so like they're I'll, I'll go seventeen, and then 
what do they add like another bench guy? Like where does he put they, they already have, are going to have a roster crunch come up and we'll get to that in a second, but uh so the other I, thing to I consider is do a, does another pitcher hit a home run? Oh, no. Pitchers suck at hitting. Ryu's going to get um, one. Ryu's so, going to get one this year. No, I feel good I'm, about so I'm that. I'm sticking with just 17, 17 only. 18. Austin Barnes and Russell Martin have not had good offensive seasons this far. That's true. Short of an injury, do either of you think Will Smith has a chance to play his way into a starting role by the end of the season? Hey, I covered this. Uh, right, so um, we, we've talked about this. I'm a little bit more bullish on it than you are, but we both think it's unlikely. Is that, is, do you think that's a fair assessment? Yes, but getting more and more likely. Okay. Like, uh, <laughs> so I, I think like my... And like, I, it, it is by the end of the season, which I was very bullish on. I just yeah. didn't think it would happen until like very close to like, let's get this roster tuned up for the playoffs kind of time. My my thought, and we talked about this it pro- at least on like two other episodes, I Probably. think this year already. To, to, and so like... Uh, I think maybe once before he was even called up. <laughs> right. Yeah, we we're like, what about this? And then... Uh, uh, my brother texted me about it, like you know, when do they pull the trigger? Like the, almost the exact wording of that, like <laughs> kind of a thing. And like uh, my my thing has always been like they look they they like Barnes and Martin behind the plate, framing, handling pitchers, all that stuff. It, they would have to like completely crater um, for a long time for that to happen. So like, and then funny you should ask because today's July first, so. I was uh, looking up the June stats for the Dodgers. Um, Austin Barnes in June was six for forty-four. He had a four nineteen OPS. So <laughs> the, the 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 cratering is happening. Like so, I think it has to go on longer. But we're getting closer and closer to actually happening. Um, Dodgers pitchers in um, in June four fourteen OPS. So very <laughs> close. Eleven for fifty-five. They were they were actually five for eleven more. Barnes did homer and double the Dodgers. Pitchers didn't have an extra base hit because they're pitchers, and pitchers are terrible hitters. Um, but yeah, so it's bad right now. Like at the plate, like it's um, the the thing about Barnes and Martin, like they actually get on base, like you know, relative to like their betting, but they're neither one are hitting. Like um, Martin's actually up to two forty three. Like that's not a number I expect him to stay at, which is a weird thing to say, but uh, three fifty on base, so that that'll play. Like Barnes has a 306 on base with a 205 batting average, so he seems to me like he he should be like at a minimum like a 250 guy with his speed and like um, everything else because he's he doesn't strike out like a ton. He strikes out a good amount, but like not a ton. Uh, and man, so like it's just been a slog offensively for both of them. But I think it has to. Um, I think he has to crater longer, but he's already done a lot of it. So. I think, yeah, I like it's getting closer and closer to that. I do think they would pull the trigger. It, it takes a lot to make that move, but I, they have to be confident in Smith, but I think they are. So, like, um, I don't, I'm not, like, confident they'll do it, but, like, it, it's getting closer and closer to reality at this point. With the expected return of David Freeze, A.J. Pollock, and Corey Seager in the next two weeks, where does the hot-hitting Chris Taylor, again, shocking me, Fit into this equation. Uh, there's actually more of that question. That's why I didn't add a period there, but I'm actually mm. going to save that after we talk about Chris Taylor for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was looking at Chris Taylor. Remember, we looked at him like two weeks ago when he was like 
his season numbers were very, very bad. One of but yeah, like, one of the, the is, like you said, one of the worst hitters in baseball. Yeah, season numbers very bad. Batted ball numbers even worse. Like made it like because this was right when he was taking over for Corey Seager. Like, well, he has to play every day now. This is going to be a problem if he continues to do this. But then he just started hitting like you know, house was on fire. And um, but like if you look at it, like his numbers in April really were the worst part of it. Um, there were there were only four Dodgers that had a 900 OPS in May and June. Um, Bellinger, Muncie, normal. David Freeze, who's like the greatest hitter on the planet, you know, in like short st- stints. Uh, and Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor actually had a 904 OPS in May. Even though when we looked at him, which was like right at the beginning of June, his season numbers were still so bad. That's how bad he was in April. So like, <laughs> and his bad at ball numbers on the season were still bad. And that was after like a strong May, like, so, like, he's been, like, slowly building up uh, to this. But, like, uh, the last two weeks, um, or last 13 games, I guess, 21 for 45, eight doubles, three homers. Uh, Jorge Castillo of the Times uh, talked to Taylor about it. And um, he said he – I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. So he implemented a, quote, uh, substantial mechanical changes in uh, early May. And that's, that's basically when he started hitting. And it said in an attempt to regain his 2017 form, and that was his breakout year. So, like, he's sort of getting back to that. But then the, the point, um, uh, he, he had a, this is a quote from Taylor to uh, Castillo, uh, probably around the time when Siegs got hurt. So, mental note, they call Corey Seager Siegs. Um, I, <laughs> I just I realized all I needed... the Dodger nicknames, by the way. Every it, time it, I, it comes up. We, it could have been like Seagy or something, you know. <laughs> Usually um, it's something like that. Yeah. Uh, pro- probably around the time when Seags got hurt. I just realized I needed to start a little earlier. I, and he's talking about his swing at that point. Uh, and that was the only mechanical adjustment I made. So he just like tweaked it a little bit and he's been basically just stinging the ball yeah, since look, then. I mean, May look, and June he combined, had like a, a 926 yeah. OPS. Right. So like productive guy and then so i guess craig's question was like how does he fit into this right like what's the playing time situation so so the the timetable we talked about a little bit so freeze is going to be back like this week before the all-star break um and then the plan is seager and pollock in boston Mm -hmm. so it it creates a log jam for sure but like we've uh it basically for me it, it means two competitions uh for playing time one is i mean because they're, they're gonna play pollock like um i looked earlier so he he got his he played uh or he got injured like in his 30th game so um he he, he played 28 of the 30 he started 26 of the 30 um seager is more, more every day as well he got hurt in game 66 he had played 65 games he started 61 of 66. So these are like everyday guys. Dave Roberts has said he's going to play uh, Pollock every day. Um, I think they'll, they'll still be cautious, so there'll be like time to give them rest days and things like that. So it's maybe not every every day, but like it's basically every day. So like for me, it sets up two competitions. One, Alex Verdugo and Jock Peterson. The other one is Kike and Chris Taylor. And there might not be room for both because – like you have to get Muncie in there, and like if um, it's basically like it could be like all four of those guys for like one regular spot in a weird way, because um, like someone has to be in the outfield. It could be Taylor, or it could be any of those guys because they all play the outfield. 
but like one of those guys is going to man left field. Um, and then that's why they've been using Jock Peterson at first to, because they like Verdugo so much. So in, but then if that happens, Taylor's not playing short. So, and if you have Peterson at first, that means you have Muncie at second. Um, or do you, because you're, are you going to really take out Max Muncie because you have to play Jock Peterson at first? Like no way. Um, so but Chris Taylor is also an, a, a sort of the ultimate and uh, rest guy and, and Muncie helps out here too, where you can move Muncie the third when Turner sits. So it yeah. does feel like it feels like there's going to be w- between those competitions. One of them will break to where two of them are basically playing every day and just rotating rest days. But one of them is just has to be a primary, either a bench guy or they figure out like some sort of platooning situation where their start time basically gets cut in half. The way they're hitting now, Kike is like, yeah, yeah and, and that's who I was figuring. Time. Yeah. And like Peterson really didn't have a very good June. Um, but he's been playing mostly every day. I think he gets he suffers a little, um, but ultimately they play. I think they play Muncie every day, so may, that means either they lay off Jock at first, or they um, are like less likely to play Taylor as much. But I think Taylor still plays. So like I think um, I don't think Peterson's going to be playing first a lot. Basically, um, I think. If he plays, it'll be in left field, and then Verdugo gets kind of the shaft in some of those cases. But, again, he'll also be a fill-in guy for Pollock in center. Um, and, I, you know, maybe maybe he shares time with Peterson and left against righties. So And Verdugo can play against lefties like where, while Peterson can't. So, uh, But then again, Chris Taylor still has to play. And so, like, it's a, this is going to be interesting to see how they do it. But then again, as we always talk about this, while we're, like, trying to figure out how they maneuver, like, Someone else is probably going to get hurt, and then they'll open up another thing, so they'll, then that'll answer it. But as it stands now, it's going to be a lot of, like, um, a lot of, like, you know, of those guys. It just makes their bench, like, pretty great. It's already been, like, very productive, but a lot of rookies. Now it's, like, more established guys. Um, that, that'll that be an awesome bench, basically, uh, <laughs> if it plays out like they want it, want it to. And if there is a... a front office and a manager that can handle it it's it's dave robertson and this dodgers team they've shown it before yeah, I, this this sure. is the team that knows how to do it so it, i i'm interested to see it but i'm not worried about it if that makes sense yeah it's one of it, it all it almost always works itself out like they're they're gonna give pollock a lot of rope and look but I, eventually like if he doesn't hit he'll lose playing time like yeah he's gonna be here for a while so they're not gonna like alienate him but i did i mean it's, it's a competition too like you know the thing is like they've we talked about this like last week, they they've built this huge lead. Like they still have the best record in the majors. They have the best run differential. They have the largest lead in baseball. It's 12 games. They've built this cushion. They gave pitchers extra rest twice in the last, uh, on this stretch. So like they inserted a guy in there because they could. And like, because they wanted to make sure guys are rested. So I think they're going to lean toward um, rest and off days and they're not going to push it. Last year they had to push it because their their playoff life was in jeopardy. You know, like they were facing a three team race in the NL West and they trailed at the beginning of September. Uh, and like so, and then because guys weren't producing, they, that's when they went into the like uh, platooning almost everywhere, and it worked uh, for them like down the stretch. So if if something happens where they're they're like forced to do something, um, they'll 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 pull the plug on like a Pollock. They'll pull the plug on Barnes. 
that kind of a thing. But the thing is, the 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 fact that they have a big lead, and um, it would take a lot to, to like pull plugs right now because they are they are operating on let's make sure everyone gets healthy for October, and that's mm-hmm. our most important thing. Yeah, I think I think the only thing that could be interesting, really quick, and go to the catching situation before we go uh, do a little business, is do they want to see Will Smith more in the starting role, maybe a little more earlier than they want, just to see how he responds to that or not? Uh, I'll be I'll be interested to see that if that's the plug that could get pulled a, a little bit sooner than say sort of mid to late August. Yeah, I they could they'd be fine if they did it in August, like. Even if they did it like in early September, that they'd be fine with that. Okay, but um, yeah, we'll, and that we'll could make sense with like the, said, the roster call-ups. I could see that uh, in a similar way where Corey Seager kind of forced himself onto the onto the playoff roster in his September call-up. I could see them giving him that chance to do that. Right. Well, I want to talk about Jock Peterson a little bit after this break. What do you think about Jock at first? That's uh, Craig's second question. Yeah, um, not a fan. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was great. I don't what are you know. Talking like, about? <laughs> it's just like this is meant to be entertaining. Eric. I get why they're what doing do it. Yeah, I just like. I don't. Know. I mean, look, it's it's making position change that he's never never played before, and you're like doing it like in the middle of a season. So that's that's in itself difficult. So it's not necessarily on Jock like that he's bad at first, but it takes a lot to get used to. So you can't expect him to like just take to it right away. But and like I said, this is one of those things where they can they've built themselves enough cushion to experiment with things like this because they have such a big lead. But um, you know he was hitting he's against righties he's slumped pretty badly uh, of late. So you know the push to like ha- we have to get his bat in there isn't that strong. I think you still play him against righties. So, uh, but Verdugo has been just as strong and he's, he's better defensively uh, everywhere. Uh, I mean, outfield's going to be the thing. So um, it's one of those things like the question's going to be basically, would I rather have um, Jock Peterson in the lineup in total, or uh, this is against a righty, let's say, or Chris Taylor. Right, because you could put Muncie at first, Taylor at second, and keep Verdugo in there. Um, and I think right now you have to go Taylor. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you still not that Taylor has to play every day, but I think like it, um, I don't see the need. Like you, you do this if he's hitting so well, but he they just can't fit him in the outfield. But he's not hitting well enough that they ha- absolutely yeah. have to have him in the lineup. And, and if they do, I think just play him in left. Yeah, and he's yeah. always been a really streaky hitter. So who knows, you know, three, four weeks from now, this could be a completely different story. But with where the Dodgers are right now, I think that's what you got to kind of have to do. Kiki and Jock kind of getting the, the the rougher end of the playing time situation once all these guys come back. Yeah. So I think, too, like, so Jock in June was 569 OPS. He was hit 186. He actually ended the month on a six-game hitting streak, so nine of the 16 hits uh, came in the last six days. So, you know, like you said, streaky hitter, we've seen this before. He's going to play, uh, uh, but I think we're going to see him more. It just makes more sense with the roster that he'll be in left field, and then Verdugo gets screwed in that case, or 
it's on days where Pollock gets a rest or something and Verdugo's in center. But the, I think everyone's going to play to some extent. But yeah, not not I'm not I don't see the need to have Peterson at first at this point. So Craig has one more question for us, but you have some questions for me for us. Yeah, it, I think it's something not necessarily a competition, or it could be, I guess. But just thinking about like post All Star break. Um, and other things like that. Uh, just wanted to get, gauge where you're at on some of these things. And it, it t- talks about some of the players who are coming back. So after the break, uh, the Dodgers have 70 games left on the schedule. Um, how many of those 70 games will Corey Seager play? I have to, you're putting him on a spot because yeah, the last, like I said, I, I had him as a like three, four weeks from now, not two weeks from now. No, he's, 70 it, games. he's assume, yeah. assume. Boston series. Assume I get to see his first game back, which is very exciting. 70 games. Player start. Play. Play. (laughs) Keep in mind, uh, he played 65 out of 66 games. before. I know. I believe the number is going to be very high. But with the Dodgers lead, they could shut a lot of this team down, (laughs) especially with the September calls. This is really interesting. You have to factor that in, yeah. Of seventy games, he will play sixty-six. Oh, okay. I think I think he's going to play sixty-three. Oh, okay. Okay. Next question: How many games will AJ Pollock play of those seventy games? Uh, and then just to refresh, he. He played 28 out of 30 before he got hurt, and he started 26 out of 30. Mm-hmm. Of 70. But he's definitely a guy I, I think you rest near the end if you're still leading. I can I can answer first if you want you want me to no, take no, this No, no, I first. like this. I like okay. this because okay, I'll just good, good. I'll lean on your answers too much otherwise. Um, 60. Okay, so 60 out of 70. I said 63 for Seeger. Okay. I'm feeling, uh, yeah, how many did you say for? Um, so for Pollock... I think let's go. I'm going to say 57. Okay. I like to go like, I think I like your number a little more. I just go three less than whatever you say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So now a more nebulous one who, cause we really don't know um, the answer to this, like when he's coming back, but how many games will Rich Hill start in, in the second half? Uh, as of now, I believe the report is Rich Hill will not pick up a baseball until the All-Star break. So not beginning a throwing program yet. So mm-hmm. you got to be able to do a throwing program before you can do bullpen sessions. Then you can get into rehab games. So in my mind, at, at worst, or I mean, at best, he's like a mid-August return to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And that's like if everything goes right, I think. Um, so that's sort of where my head's at. But I – so – what, what do you think? Seven. Seven starts. So basically like all of September and maybe a couple starts in August. Yep. Um, I'll say six. Okay. <laughs> You're doing this Price is Right thing. <laughs> no, no uh, yeah, that's the thing. I, I offered to go first. Uh, but, uh, okay, so this, um, what is uh, Julio Urias, what is his final inning count for the entire season? As of right now, um, on Monday, through 86 games, he's at, excuse me, 50 and a third innings. Doing 
math real quick. <laughs> yeah, keep in mind, like, he's, it's, I mean, it's sort of related to when is he back in starting rotation, that kind of a thing, but it's not that. It's just like, you know, it'll be a mix because there's, he's still going to pitch in relief for a while. Yeah. Um, I will say a hundred and what's he at now? 50 and a third. <sighs> that is, that's less than I thought. Um, so I'll back off on that. Uh, 85. Okay. Well, uh, so for the first time, I'm going to go higher than you. Uh, I think, I think his regular season innings are going to end up, uh, at about 95. Okay. Yeah. I almost went like straight a hundred, but yeah, it, man, it's hard to predict. Right. Like, and he's one an of those, easy like, candidate for like two week phantom DL kind of thing where they're like, let's just like, oh, kind of. Yeah. Like, aka, yeah. send him here's, to Arizona, stretch him out period. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, here, here's your rest period. You know, do whatever, like that kind of thing. Okay, I have uh, one more. Um, how many players do the Dodgers acquire via trade by July 31st? So, people outside the organization added to the active roster. Now, keep in mind if they're acquired on July 31st, it's added like on the August 1st or whatever. But we'll count those for this purpose. So the 25 man roster. Yeah. Three. No, jeez. Yeah. The bench is so okay. deep. Two. Two. Right. Two. Okay. So my number is actually three. Yeah, we were okay. going to tie. Uh, I think, I do think that three I think relievers? they're going to Three relievers? Or no, a starter uh, and two relievers? Yes. I, I, I think they're going to go starter and two relievers because uh, it sort of, I think it'll round everything out and it gives them, it gives them hill insurance. I, I can't, I can't see them doing this over just starting Will Smith. But a catch, like if there's a coucher to be got, I don't know. I can't think of one, but that could be interesting. Well, look, the as NL something Central they could is, be interested at. The NL Central is so much together. Maybe they could trade for Yasmani Grandal. <laughs> 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 uh, that'd be funny. Um, so that, yeah, that's that's all the questions I had. They they were uh, baseball related, so I wanted to get them in before, before Craig's mandatory it. food questions. So. Uh, tater tots as a bar food. What do you think about it, and what is your sought preference of choice? I like tater tots in general. Um, mm-hmm. They they're a good like uh, chili cheese vehicle. Um, it, it's messy. Like you need, I think, depending on the place, you probably need a fork if that's the case. You, I mean, you could if it's a thing. You, you do need a fork. You're not a bar. You're not barbaric. Um, but uh, just for other sauce, like I guess I'm pretty plain. I guess I don't have tater tots a ton. I'm pretty much a ketchup guy if, if I have to dip them in something. Um, but I guess I haven't had them often enough. I would imagine they'd be pretty good in cheese sauce. I think mm-hmm. I've had that, I'm pretty sure. But other than that, uh, I'd be willing to hear other alternatives. But I, I, like I'm not a big ranch guy, but I, I would imagine that's probably popular. But yeah, I, so the, it's probably ketchup or cheese sauce for me uh, if it's not like a chili cheese tater tots thing. I think tater tots are almost always just worse fries, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't hate them, but so often when I go to a place that has both, if I go to the place often enough, I'll have both and end up thinking that the fries are better. Uh, yeah. So that's my personal preference. Um, I do like ranch of mine, but just plain old ketchup is good. Uh, they're really good with jalapenos and onions and cheese. Oh, sauce, that's so sure. That would be that's good. You can treat now, them I... as sort of a Midwest nacho kind of thing. My my fry of choice is a crinkle cut. 
fry. Sure, sure. And um, for me, like I, I can handle like steak fries. I don't mind them. I like them better than like shoestring fries. I You're guess. wrong. But but like um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but like to me, like part of the the drawback of steak fries is like there's just so much potato in the middle. <laughs> like, and I, I know you're eating potatoes, right? But it's like, uh, no, I can see where that's a, that that's is... a drawback of tater tot. Like it's like yeah. a worse steak fry. Yes. Um, but, so you almost have, unless it's cooked, like if it's properly crunchy, it gets into the crinkle cut t- territory for me. But if it's like, like an average tater tot, probably not better than the steak fry. So I think you're right in that regard. No, close the book on that one. You've got a Dodgers rewind for us. I do. Uh, so as always, it's it's usually something random that'll uh, cause me to think of these. And last week uh, on Saturday, in fact, was the uh, 29th anniversary of Fernando Valenzuela's no hitter. Um, I just remember that game uh, because um, my cousin and I, he, he lived in Mission Viejo. I lived in Palm Springs growing up. We're a year apart. We would hang out at each other's uh, place like for a week like he'd come visit me for a week I'd come visit him for a week and we we're we were like best of friends um, growing up so close obviously but um, we uh, he was at my house uh, that uh, for that game and it was an ESPN game and this was back when like not every game was televised so it was like a big deal to like still be on TV at that point uh, the TV sort of explosion hadn't happened yet and ESPN had I think it uh I think it was a Wednesday. And I guess I could have looked this up, but there were two games. Uh, the first game was Toronto um, was playing, and Dave Stewart um, <clears throat> oh, it was the A's in Toronto because Dave Stewart was on the A's. Um, Dave Stewart uh, threw a no hitter in the first game of the ESPN doubleheader, and then they went to Los Angeles. And this, the legend goes, uh, the Dodgers were watching that game in the clubhouse on ESPN, and then Fernando, like you know. Who knows if this is true, but he apparently said to someone, like, you're about to see another no-hitter or, you know, something dumb, something like like obvious. Uh, but who knows? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he went out and did it. Uh, this was like, um, you know, end of the – not, and it was end of the line Dodger-wise for Fernando because uh, he was eventually released the next year. But he ended up pitching in the majors for, like, you know, the better part of the next decade, like six or seven years. So, uh, but he was not – Fernando at that point, like he was, you know, diminished, but, but still he was wearing glasses, uh, which was different. But um, at the end of that game, it was a double play by old friend, Pedro Guerrero, who hit it uh, like off Fernando up the middle and it went right to the second baseman who threw to Eddie Murray at first. This was like just old friend city. It was so great. Uh, but the guy in second base who got the ground ball was Juan Samuel. And, um, I have this, I don't know why I liked Juan Samuel so much. I think it was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, part of the, I started collecting baseball cards in 1985. So I just remember looking at the back of one of his, um, like, Donruss cards, I guess, and seeing, like, all of his, like, crazy numbers. Like, his first four years, he was with the Phillies. Like, he he had double digits in doubles, triples, home runs, and steals. And like that, it's pretty rare to do it four years in a row is like super rare, but like it happens like more often than you think, but like nobody hits 10 triples these days anymore. So it's hard, but back then it wasn't that big of a deal, but I, I always thought it was cool, but he like led the league in triples as a rookie at like 19. 
and he stole like 72 bases or something. But for some reason, I don't know why I thought this was an accomplishment, but he had 701 at bats as a rookie. So not played appearances, but I'm like, ooh, he led the league in at bats. He must be good. <laughs> like that, that was in my head. But then I, I looked it up. Uh, if you had to guess uh, in Major League history, how many players have had 700 at bats in a season? Uh, going back, going back, All back, time. back. Wow, I wonder was it was that more? Probably less common, right? Probably just let plays versus let. Um, and Juan Samuel did this as a rookie. Seven hundred plate appearances. No, at bats. At bat. <laughs> I was in plate appearances. I'm like that would be higher. Um, that's twenty five. I don't even know where to begin guessing that. Okay, so uh, the so the the go to sort of in my head because they played so much would be like Pete Rose, mm-hmm. and like if you're going on plate appearances, he he did seven hundred uh, six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve. Jesus, he <laughs> fifteen years yeah. he had seven hundred plate appearances. Never did seven hundred at bats. You know why he never did seven hundred at bats? Because four players have only done 700 at bats. Four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just seems Willie that's Wilson so... Willie Wilson in 1980. Another, I like, thought my 25 was high. Really excuse me, low. Yeah. I, I was like, surely yeah. he's going to tell me, no, idiot, it's like 80. Like, it's still pretty rare. <laughs> so I, I was clearly on to something in my love of Juan Samuel's at bat total. Uh, but yeah, so Willie Wilson, Juan Samuel, and then Ichiro in 04, Jimmy sure. Rollins in 07. So it's basically like leadoff guys who don't walk a ton. Um, but he. Then what would like you have guessed, by the way? Oh, like honestly, yeah. When because I, I did the search the other day, and like I was, I was thinking I would have probably had in the twenty-five range. Okay. I was thinking at least like at least like fifteen at the lowest was fifteen. Like <laughs> you paused, I, I think, to look up the like, numbers, and I'm just like, oh god, <laughs> he's gonna call me an idiot. <laughs> no, no, that's the thing. Like I was kind of open to it. I was like. I, wait a minute who's done this like I, I didn't i didn't know either but like sort of the underbelly of samuel right he also led the league in strikeouts his first sure. four seasons so but and like back then it, it mattered more you know people still gripe about like strikeouts now but they just generally don't care like but uh he was productive those for he averaged like 3.2 war his first four years he basically only had one other good season in his career, even though he played 16 seasons. That season was with the Dodgers. Uh, it was in 91. They were close to uh, winning the pennant uh, or winning the National League West. He had 2.6 war uh, at second, 12 homers, uh, 103 OPS plus, just generally good player, stole 23 bases. He, uh, on the back of his baseball card, which I'm including a picture of in the notes, this was 92 tops. He had a walk-off triple on September 21st, 91, against the Braves, the team they were fighting for the division. And I looked, that that uh, that put the Dodgers a half a game up um, uh, with 11 games to play. And then they won on Sunday, so they were one and a half up. I guess after Sunday, they had 11 games left. They were actually up a game on the Braves with four remaining, and then they lost three straight, and they lost the division. Um, but that that walk-off triple was a Saturday game of the Braves series. I went Friday night with my friend Tom, uh, and we sat in the bleachers when Ron Gant uh, hit his 30th home run. He was the first guy since 
Willie Mays to go 30-30 in back-to-back years. Uh, my friend Tom was his, was the first to get his hands on the home run ball. He he had it on the fly, but then someone pushed him in the back and he dropped it. And uh, and then in the fracas that ensued, uh, someone else came up with the ball. So his shot at glory was so 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 closely denied. But um, uh, the Dodgers got him from the Mets in '89. Juan Samuel. Uh, for Mike Marshall and Alejandro Pena, two guys who were on their 88 championship team. And Marshall was, they were both there for most of the 80s, actually. Um, and then in 92, he kind of hit the, the floor with them. They released him at the end of July. And he ended up playing like six and a half more years. He played 16 years in the major seven teams. So um, he was the third base coach with the Orioles uh, in 2010. And they fired, I think Ray Miller was the first manager that year. But then they fired um, um, Juan Samuel after only 51 games. And then, then they hired Buck Showalter. And then the Orioles actually were good for a little bit. Uh, and then they're before they became the Orioles again. Uh, and they're, they've been bad the last couple of years. But Juan Samuel, that was in my head um, for all those reasons. Um, yeah, so he was an important part of that game, you know, on the last out. So that's what made me think of him. And that's this week's uh, Dodger Rewind. And before we wrap it up, I'm going to hand it to you. I know you wanted to handle this. Um, some sad news in the baseball world today. And I know you wanted to just say a few things about it. Yeah. So we're recording on a Monday night. We usually record Monday morning. Uh, this afternoon, uh, got an email. It was like Angel's like PR team. And, you know, they get a lot of these emails. It's just like a, a statement or something. And you don't pay attention to a ton of them. They're They're... A lot of them aren't relevant, but I just saw the subject and it said, um, it's like statement on the passing of Tyler Skaggs. And I was like, wait a minute. Like I, in my, I, I had like almost forgotten about him. Like he's an active pitcher with the team. And then like, wait a minute, what? And like, uh, I did a double take and it. Yeah. The angels are in, uh, Texas play the Rangers and, uh, he was found dead in his hotel room. He was going to turn 28 next um, Sunday or next Saturday, excuse me. Um, just, I mean, it's terrible. Like we don't, nobody knows the cause of death yet. I'm not speculating on any of that. It's just no matter what it is though, it still sucks. Like it just, um, it's a guy like in the prime of his life, he's an, uh, an athlete and he's gone. And like his, the team, his team loved him, his family loved him, all that kind of stuff. But man, it just like, uh, uh, Fabian um, um, Ardea on uh, the Athletic. Um, he he covered the Angels quite a bit, and he talked to Skaggs a lot. And he mentioned that uh, Skaggs is from Santa Monica, went to high school out here. Uh, he was really he said he was really looking forward to pitching at Dodger Stadium, uh, and that the Angels are in town uh, in like three weeks. So just crushing, man! Like it just sucks. Um, heart goes out to like everyone who knew Skaggs and like just the baseball world. It's just terrible when this kind of thing happens. And I don't know, man, like you just, <laughs> you know, sports, we, I, I joke around a lot and I, I try to have fun with sports and it's hard to do that when something like this happens and it just makes you want to like appreciate everything. So like, if you're thinking of like uh, going to a game or like enjoying a game, like, do it, you know, enjoy, enjoy it while you can, because every moment's precious and, uh, you know, you just never know when it's going to all be taken away. So this is a tragedy and very sorry to hear about the passing of Tyler Skaggs. 